Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, shows, songs, and movies, and series. Why do I always do this? I'm always messing up on this part. <laughs> series. Yeah, you got it. Uh, I'm one dude partner. <laughs> I guess I'm another dude, Jeff. <laughs> and dudes, this week we are talking about the remake of The Jungle Book. But Jeff, first, is there anything else you've been streaming this week? There is. And it's only one thing. And it was Matilda the Musical again <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I did watch it again. I, I have watched it. I have watched it again. And I've listened to the soundtrack a couple of times, actually. Especially, yeah. especially my favorite songs. Same here. And uh, I know we talked about it some. But, uh, you know, I, I decided to get my wife to watch it and um you know she was intrigued especially when she heard about our podcast and that you gave it a perfect score and i gave it a near perfect score um yeah. i even told her i said i said, i could probably safely say it's probably in my top 10 list of all time she was, <laughs> she was like really and um but yeah she i don't know she's weird she didn't have the same <laughs> she didn't have the same feelings as we did but i don't yeah. know but I mean, that's what that's what we watched. I enjoyed it, and I picked up on. It's like I want. I I, I now want to watch it at least a third time. Yeah, because I d- I definitely picked up on a couple of things in the second go around. Mm-hmm. That I mean, because a movie like that, you're never gonna get everything on the first go through. You're just no, soaking everything it's in. Dense. Yeah, it's pretty um, dense. So there was a couple of small things I picked up on. It's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then it's like my mind just starts. I don't know if yours ever does this, but I'm thinking. There's, it's, it just feels like there's so much that they're communicating that mm-hmm. it's, it's like on another level, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, is like, is Matilda, I don't know, I don't even know how to put it into words, it's just, you know, is like Matilda, like living or living out Miss Honey's life in, in, in a way. Yeah. Because like, Matilda was the bravery and courage that Miss Honey never had. Yeah. But she brought it out of Miss Honey. And, you know, because even when she's first going through the story, um, you know, with her dad, Matilda's the child. Yeah. Um, in place of of Miss Honey, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Jenny, I think, uh so to me, they're, they're so, I mean, your mind can just go crazy thinking about all the, the symbolism and uh, and themes in it that I definitely want to watch a third time just to see if I can just get my brain to wrap around a lot of the stuff. And I'm sure there'll be a ton of other just small details I would pick up on. Um, right. I mean, like there was like one thing that I was kind of wondering, and it's something that you, you were kind of going along the lines of is like, like I've always thought of Matilda being the powerful one, but like, in some ways, I'm wondering if like Matilda was just like a conduit for like, you know, Jenny, you know, because she was it was her story that was going through Matilda. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and she was basically the one like doing the things that Jenny needed done. You know, it was like she, that was where her her powers came into play. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't really use them. I don't remember her using them on like her parents, you know what I'm saying? Like 
she just played tricks on them like normal normal tricks like a kid could do she yeah. didn't she didn't use her she just used her powers against trunchbull you know what I'm saying so <coughs> she only used them for the good of like miss honey and basically like and when miss honey was around so it's like is she some kind of like i mean she you, you saw her use in, in scenes you know like when she was by herself but like you know what i'm saying like i don't know i don't know it definitely is like i'm probably just like i said i'm probably just bullshitting but like it, it is fun like it there's it's a lot more going on than than just your simple average normal yeah and then family there, musical for sure there was even in a brief moment that i wondered if miss honey's dad maybe had that power to an extent mm-hmm. you know because when he drove off um you know you had that bucket oh right that dented in mm-hmm. a weird way but it, but you know he didn't hit it or run over it right and then the little bucket in matilda's room ended up doing the same thing yeah. So I'm like, did did he have that power initially? Yeah. And so I don't know. It's just your brain can go a million different directions with the movie. Yeah, like and that. I mean that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean, like with the, like the whole like conduit thing. Like, you know, what I'm saying like it is it somehow like Miss Honey's power or like it's just like and then it's just somehow like Matilda has the ability to like channel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Because she has like the bravery, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But anyways, um, yeah, dude, I, I've also been watching that. But I've also been watching. Uh, actually, this is kind of crazy because it's kind of. It was actually this Christmas special that I heard about um, through like um, another another podcast, and they were talking about. Um, it's Adult Swim does this thing where they they do like Christmas specials, you know, and uh, this one. This year they did this one called Yule Log, and uh, and I'm not gonna get like too into it, but it starts out like you know like your normal like fireplace, you know like burning with like the Christmas music and everything, and then stuff starts to happen. You can hear stuff going on around in the background, and then a movie starts to unfold. Um, and it's it's I'm not gonna give away too much of it, but I will say it's not it's gonna it's going to be more of like the horror genre than it is like the Christmas genre. So it's not, I'm not going to say like a recommended as a Christmas movie, but it, it definitely starts out as one. So um, that's all I'm really going to say about it, but that's what I have been streaming other than Matilda, because I've actually had a pretty busy week this week. So um, that's pretty much the only thing, other thing I really got into. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much other stuff I've been wanting to watch, and you know, got on my list. But yeah, it just it just hadn't worked out yet. I'm hoping maybe I'll get some more time over the next couple months, be able to really start watching some stuff I've been wanting to. All right, good deal. Um, so Jeff, the Jungle Book, man. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of tidbits, even though you know this is a newer one. I'm sure there's you could tell me plenty of this on this one man yeah there's actually a load of information out there on this one uh especially with being a remake of a you know an older classic um i'll kind of just start with maybe some of the cast um how do you pronounce the main characters mowgli mogul mowgli mowgli Mowgli. um 
Neil Sethi uh, was the kid that was casted as him. And uh, casting was actually extremely extensive for this role. I mean, there had to be thousands of children from multiple countries auditioned. And I mean, he was basically an unknown, a newcomer. Um, interesting enough, if, if you're a fan of the show Office, which yep. maybe I'm the one that made this connection, but they said uh, Neil underwent loads of <clears throat> parkour training uh, for this role. <laughs> and I guess I just merely thought of the office and though parkour, parkour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, interesting enough, um, I f- have found very little on him since he did the Jungle Book. So, yeah. you know, you, you would think with a, a role like that, and as well as the film did, that it would have catapulted, maybe. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's been the case. Now, maybe that's been by choice. Uh, you know, because at that age, I mean, some kids don't want to jump, you know, big time. And they want to do school and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's the case with him. But obviously a ton of other casts. I mean, you had Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley. Idris Elba, Scarlett Johansson, Christopher Walken, Gary Shandling. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, director, producer, uh, John, maybe you can have this. Yeah, Favreau. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, he's extremely well-known. Um, interesting thing about Gary Shandling, this was his last film role. Really? Uh, yeah, because, you know, he passed away. Yeah, I didn't realize um, it was his last one, though. Yep, it was his last film role. Um, so obviously there was a dedication involving him. <clears throat> um, Idris Elba had a major Disney year that year. Yeah. He he was in three Disney movies in 2016, obviously with uh, Jungle Book. He also did Zootopia and Finding Dory uh, that came out in 2016. Um, of course, fans of the MCU franchise. You get a heavy dose. Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Scarlett Johansson, John Favreau, and Lapita Nyong'o. I'm sure I butchered that, but but yeah. As I mentioned earlier, the film did really well. Uh, it was actually they they considered it a sleeper. They were not expecting it to do as well as it did, but it actually briefly held the record for the biggest remake of all time. Any ideas on? Who took that title shortly after they Lion held it? King. It, actually, was it the Lion King. Oh no, the Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, probably. Beauty yeah. and the Beast surpassed it the following year. Yeah. Uh, but no, it ended up grossing 364 million in the US and Canada, 966 million worldwide, and it had an opening US opening weekend of 103 million. So it did really well. Matter of fact, because it did so well quickly afterwards, they signed on for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, like a lot of stuff, it just kind of gets kind of pushed to the side. Um, as of 2022, it's, it's still greenlit, uh, but just it's just considered still in development. So no word on when the sequel is going to come out, but yeah, could be in a couple of years. Uh, now, just some interesting tidbits. Uh, and these are going to kind of be all over the place, not in any particular order. But uh, one of the treasures in King Louis Temple is the genie's lamp from Aladdin. Oh, cool. 1992 film. Uh, the CGI character Baloo is so large and furry, he took almost five hours of rendering time per frame. Jeez. I bet that was fun. 
Um, Neil Sethi, who played Mowgli, um, since he never really worked with real animals on set, uh, the director, John Favreau, would on occasionally stand in for where the animals would would be present, uh, <laughs> just kind of help them with that whole process. That's hilarious. I can, um, I can actually just picture John Favreau doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, Bill Murray voiced Baloo in this movie. His older brother, Brian Doyle Murray, actually voiced Baloo in the 1998 film, The Jungle Book, Mowgli Story. So I thought that was interesting. I forgot Bill Murray even had a brother, but I remembered when I had read that. Um, all the locations in the movie are computer-generated visual effects. Um, even though it's set in India and it's beautiful as all out, it was all shot at a Los Angeles Center Studios. Um, let's see here. The animal characters, you'll probably like this since you're a fan of the Muppets. Uh, the animal characters were motion captured and performed live on set by puppeteers from the Jim Henson Company. Oh, cool. For the on-set performances, Jim Henson's Creature Shop built elaborate life-size puppets to act alongside Mowgli and serve as eyelines. This is also the first time that Ka, the snake, is portrayed by a female. Yeah. Probably John Favreau's excuse to get Scarlett Johansson in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said it was deliberate as he felt there were way too many male characters uh, in the original Jungle Book from 1967. Yeah. So he was look he was looking for ways to incorporate more female characters. Uh, you may have picked up on this. Uh, the Jungle Book storybook seen in the closing credits is the original book seen in the Jungle Book 1967's opening credits. Um, it was brought out at the request of director John Favreau to close the movie, which book is the 67 movie. As he explained at the end of the movie, we found the book from the original Disney archives. And so that book that opens at the beginning of the Jungle Book, I notice never closes at the end of the Jungle Book. So here we get the same book, the same blue velvet background, and we close the book as kind of to say, pay yeah. homage to, and maybe feel like that they're completing that chapter of it. Yeah. All three of John Favreau's children have voices, voice roles in the movie. Uh, his son, Max, voiced a wolf cub. While his two daughters uh, were another part of the Wolf Club, actually one of his daughters voiced Gray, okay, so, which was a pretty major character. Yeah, that was like the main Wolf Cub. Yeah, as far they were cute little things too. Oh my god, <laughs> they really were. <laughs> um, so I don't even know how to pronounce this, but in this film, King Louis is what kind of animal? A uh, gigantic. Pythicus, yeah, I think he, I think that's pretty close because I heard him say it when he said it because like he, he said it, but yeah, you're, you're close to that, yeah, it's something like that. Whereas in previous version, he was portrayed as an orangutan. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, this version was actually more accurate, um, because uh, the orangutan isn't really a species found or it's not native to India, uh, -huh. uh so the fact that they use that animal I just mentioned <laughs> was actually more accurate. As far as where, cool. the, where the story takes place. Um, I don't know if you picked up on this. I, I kind of did. The scene where Louis first shows his hand to Mowgli is a homage to Peter Jackson's 2005 movie, King Kong, where Kong does the pretty much the exact same thing upon meeting Anne Darrow. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, so when I, I saw think... that, when I saw that scene, I was like, ah, that looks almost exactly like um, Kong in that that similar scene. Oh, that's cool. Uh, a couple more things, and I'll shoot it off to you. But uh, so Mowgli finds a cowbell in the monkey palace, picks yeah. it up, and shakes it, which causes Louis to appear. Of course, Louis played by the the classic Christopher Walken, um, who once famously stated on Saturday Night Live in 2000, I have a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> so I don't know if John Favreau used that intentionally. Oh, you know he did. Because you know that, that was you way know too that much was... way too much coincidence if it, yeah. it wasn't intentional. That had to be that's definitely some kind of Easter egg for sure. Like it it has to be. And another thing I picked up on, which I did read where um John Favreau, one of the movies that he used as a strong inspiration for his take on this was The Lion King. Yeah. And when when all the animals gather, <coughs> excuse me, for the climatic confrontation with is it Sheree Khan? Sherry Khan? Sher Sher Khan. Sher Khan. Sher Khan, yeah. You see a wild boar and an Indian mongoose right next to each other. Oh. Which is kind of, you know, a homage to Pumba uh, and Timon, Timon Pumbaa, yeah. which, man, I love the liking. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, Mowgli also has a scar on the right side of his chest, which almost appears to be the letter R, and a K-shaped scar on his left shoulder, thinking it to be a nod to the original author of this story, Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I didn't catch those scars somehow, but that is cool. Uh, I only did because I did my research before I watched it the first time. <laughs> so, and, but there, and that's why there is some debate whether it was intentional because uh -huh. there's other scenes where it doesn't necessarily look like an R or a K. Yeah, uh, it almost almost just like a like a slash or a curve. But you know, sometimes people just like to look into things and maybe aren't there. Um, I mentioned. Uh, Ka, the snake earlier, yeah. first time portrayed as by a female. Also, in the original book, Ka is not a villain by any means. Um, actually, in uh, Ka ends up saving Mowgli's life twice and was considered a mentor and friend in the original book. Really? So I guess in all in all the film um, versions and adaptations, uh, isn't being portrayed more as a villain. So that's all I got. All right. Well, let's see how much of this I can remember. I actually think, I mean, this one actually, I feel pretty confident, even though I actually haven't seen this one very many times. This probably was like the third time I've seen this film. So like, I, I haven't watched this one as much as I watched the cartoon, which I watched the cartoon tons growing up. Oh, yeah. I I'm sure you did, too. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, the original was definitely, and it seems like I remember my mom loving that one a lot, too, because mm -hmm. she, she absolutely loved the Bare Necessity song. Yeah. It seemed like that was her favorite Disney song of all time. But it was actually my first time watching the 2006 film, so I was, I was pretty... I'm excited and curious to to watch this. I, now I did watch the Lion King, um, I guess remake that they did kind of in a similar fashion, um, yeah. because I, Lion King is probably my top ten list. Um, oh yeah, I love as, the original. Yeah, as far as the original, so uh, so I was curious to see how well they did this one. Uh, I thought Lion King the remake was, was pretty good. 
course, couldn't touch the original, but you know, most time they can't. But it, it was still pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see uh, how much I. Because actually, I'm before I do before I do cover this one. I'm going to be honest. I I had to watch this one in two different parts just because of how things are going. So the first half might actually be shakier this time than the second half, uh, which usually doesn't happen. But um, we'll, well see. Lucky for you, I might not be be able to grade you very well either because I had to do the same thing. <laughs> My first go around was probably broke up into three parts. Okay. But see, you uh, also had the, you also, I mean, well, I guess I've seen it more times, but previously, but you've watched it twice, you said, or just once? <clears throat> it's, it's weird because the first time I watched it, um, I, I, I think I kind of phased, zoned out, maybe even was struggling to stay awake in a couple of parts, but I pretty much saw it, but I wanted to go back and, I didn't fully rewatch it the second time, but I, I definitely went back and rewatched certain parts. So, a time and a half, we'll say. <laughs> All right. All right. So, I only watched it the one time and it was, you know, and it was split up. So, like I said, but also, luckily, I have you doing the same thing. So, <laughs> all right. So, we start off with. From what I remember, the way it started off is we got Mowgli running through the jungle. Um, we don't really know what he's being chased by, but it's coming, you know, coming for him. We just see movement. And then we see he is being chased by a Black Panther, gets pounced on, and we find out that it's no threat. It's just Bagheera. He's pretty much doing like his little training session with Mowgli. Um, we find out that Mowgli is this man cub that lives in the jungle. He is being cared for by a wolf pack that has taken him in. And they pretty much have done a great job of raising them as their own or as his, uh, yeah, as their own. So, so those, um, th those opening minutes, um, of course, anytime I go into a movie like this, I'm, I'm curious visually graphically yeah. what it's going to be like Any, anytime you have like pretty much just one human actor and then everything else is like cgi <clears throat> but man this movie is just stunning um and, and you're like hit in the face just in those first few minutes just how visually graphically it's just on point it's just i was just mesmerized especially those first few minutes yeah uh so it, excellent way to start the movie just to kind of draw you in and just kind of let, let you see how stunning visually this this movie was going to be um so yeah I, I love the way it began there yeah and i mean it lets you know like right off the bat like this is not the disney cartoon you know what i mean like we're not going to be just like you know mowgli just strolling around in the jungle you know like this is going to be like you know this isn't this isn't your this isn't your pappy's this ain't your pappy's jungle book you know yeah. um so you know he's he's living this life um and then uh we find out that you know the, there's a a drought going on and there the there's this thing called the peace rock in the watering hole and then whenever it's exposed that means that water is scarce enough that 
there is a truce among everybody. So when everybody comes to the watering hole, nobody is allowed to during the during because water is more important than feeding. No one is allowed to um, attack anybody else during the peace um, when the peace rock, rock is exposed. So. Um, Shere Khan comes to get some water. He is this tiger and he does not like people. He, uh, he pretty much says like, Hey, you know, when this piece, when the peace rock is, is no longer exposed, I'm coming to kill Mowgli and I'm going to kill anybody that's trying to stop me. So, you know, everybody knowing this, they decide to, send Mowgli, you know, back to the man village, which is the safest for everybody, including Mowgli. So, um, uh, so Bagheera, the panther, takes him and they go on their way because it has started raining. So, therefore, the drought is no longer um, going on. The water's rushing in and that means Shere Khan is on his way. So, we are so, on a quest. Oh, so Shere Khan, did he give you any strong vibes of another Disney character? Oh, for sure. He definitely felt very scarish. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And actually, he felt more like Scar in this one than Scar did in the remake of, of The Lion King. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, Shere Khan is pretty much like coming after him. Uh, Mowgli and you know he's he's not happy about this but you know he's got to do what he's got to do he's he's real respectful of you know his his um elders he's very by the book um for the most part when it comes to like you know doing his little tricks he's a little bit of a mischievous child but you know that's the man cub in him so they're on their way um that's when uh Shere Khan comes to look for him at the wolf, you know, back at the pack with the wolves. And they find out that he finds out that, you know, he's no longer there. He's going back to the man cub village. And so Shere Khan decides that he knows a way to bring Mowgli back. And so he kills Akila, the leader of wolf pack, basically, you know, Mowgli's father figure kills him because he knows that Mowgli will come back for revenge. So how would you feel about that scene? Dude, that was intense, man. Um, so, you know, watch, I knew what happened this time, but it's still emotional. You know, there's a couple of beats and it and I actually skipped over it. One beat that was real, um, that got to me was when, you know, he, I can't think of the mom's name. Um, the mother wolf, Whenever, you know, they're they're pretty much deciding to send Mowgli on his way, you know, back to the man cub village. And when she tells him, like, you're mine to me, like that line right there choked me up hard. So I and I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, that got me. And then that scene right there, you know, when he when Shere Khan, you know, took him out, like it. it yeah, I don't know if they were like really. It just shocked me. You know, I wasn't ready for it. And even even knowing it knowing that he did it for some reason like i'd forgotten it when i was watching it and i was just caught up in the scene and it's it got me again so yeah 
it's it's funny you said it shocked you because I was just getting ready to say it's like I don't know if they were just really focusing on going for the shock factor because it happened so quick. I mean, there was no fight, there was no battle. <laughs> it literally took two seconds. He grabs them and flings them off the mountain, and you're just like, "Yeah, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah." Um, and I and it's been forever since I've seen the original, so I had, you know, I didn't remember anything from the original movie other than the bare necessities. <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah, you know, kind of shaking their butt, but uh, but yeah, that, it happens so quick, and it's like you're just trying to like like process what just happened you're like yeah what but I yeah definitely don't remember that happening in the uh, 1960 version um I, th- I think you know once he left the the wolves i'm because like you said it's been a while since i've watched the original one um so i think once he left the wolf pack like i don't remember them seeing the wolves anymore but because I'm pretty sure like Bagheera was just, you know, pretty much the one on the journey, like taking him on the journey from that point on. But yeah, that, that was so intense, man. And then, um, and then I believe that that is the moment that, um, um, we also, oh, and then we see Shere Khan, uh, I believe it's this time where he's like sitting with like the wolf pups and everything and, you know, pretty much just like telling them stories and just intimidating, you know, intimidating the wolves and just kind of, you know, being, you know, an asshole. And then we cut back to Mowgli and uh, Bagheera. They are walking and then all of a sudden they hear something. And it is Shere Khan. He has tracked them down and he starts to attack. And Bagheera, uh, you know, him and Bagheera are fighting. So Mowgli takes off running and him and Bagheera are Shere Khan and Bagheera fight. Bagheera, you know, gets overtaken by Shere Khan. Shere Khan takes off after him, but uh, Mowgli escapes and eventually falls into cause trap where he finds out from Ka that who is you know slowly hypnotizing him this whole time um finds out from Ka that where he comes from finds out what happened to his you know his father and you know what Shere Khan's part in all this plays so um after he tells him the story, we realize that Shere Khan, or that Ka has been slowly um, constricting our boy Mowgli here. And that's when Baloo comes and saves Mowgli. And he pretty much makes a deal with Mowgli and tells him like, hey, you know, I saved your life. So you better go get these honeycombs for me. So Mowgli, using his tricks, figures out a way to climb these cliffs and get the honeycombs for Baloo. And... You know, Baloo's like, he's pretty much like, hey, you know, a deal's a deal. I'm done. I got to get back on my way. Baloo's like, hey, you know, you want to stay in the jungle? I have a use for you. So why don't you stay? Use your tricks here and, you know, you can be who you want to be. And we can do our thing. And so this goes on for a little while until Bagheera finally finds where Mowgli's been and tells Mowgli that he has to take him to the, you know, back to the man village. And Mowgli is against this. 
So, you know, he's up in the tree pouting about it because Baloo pretty much, you know, tells him that he doesn't want him there just so that, because Baloo, you know, Bagheera actually convinces Baloo that, you know, it's a bad idea for him to stay because Shere Khan's after him. And Baloo doesn't want a part of that. And he doesn't want, you know, to see Mowgli hurt either. So um, Mowgli's up in the tree, you know, upset over Baloo telling him that. And some monkeys steal him and take him to King Louis. And that's where, you know, we get this mob mobster version of King Louis, which was great. And um, that the that scene you were talking about earlier where uh, Baloo pretty much had to lie mm-hmm. and until Mowgli he, he didn't want him around anymore and that he was just using them. Yeah. That, that, that was tough to watch because I mean you knew Baloo didn't mean it, but of course oh, Mowgli yeah. didn't know that. But you know he was he knew he had to be convincing in order to get Mowgli to agree to to move on. Yeah, like scenes like that are always tough. Like you know, like when someone's like being mean because they love somebody so much. Yeah, like, that's always like a tough. Yeah, you, tough you've scene. seen that. You've seen that play out in a lot of movies. Yeah, it never. And I mean, you know, as long as it's done in a that way you know like well earned it it always hits hard you know um so the you know king's louis basically like hey you know you're a man you know if the the one way to make everything fear you is you know from the red flower which is fire and you're a man so man controls it i want you to teach me and you know mogu's like hey i don't know anything about that you know i've lived in the jungle my whole life dude so Bagheera and Baloo come to Mowgli's rescue. Uh, King Louie's chasing Mowgli through his little, uh, I don't know, what do you call that? The monument thing that, I don't know why I'm blanking on the word, like a mausoleum type deal that. Looks like old ruins or something. Yeah, <laughs> like some kind of like, you know, like, yeah. Anyways, winds up like collapsing on him because he's such a big, uh whatever kind of ape he was um that it winds up collapsing on him Mowgli escapes and um and he is safe and him Bagheera and him Bagheera and Baloo um that's I think this is the part where Mowgli no, I skipped it. That was before King Louie was where Mowgli saved the elephant. Oh, yeah. Elephant calf out of the, the pit. And um, Baloo and Bagheera, you know, saw that. That, you know, how nice. And that was a really nice scene, too. Um, and so then, you know, they... They... Um, they're there and they're safe. So, um, oh, King Glue, I forgot. King Louie, um, spills the beans on Akila dying. And so Mowgli is upset that that's that's where that's when I was like, something happened. And, and why does Mowgli upset at this point? So Mowgli finds out that Akila has died and that, you know, Bagheera and Baloo both knew and nobody told him. So he gets angry and decides to take things into his own hands and goes to the man village 
grabs some fire, runs through the jungle looking for Shere Khan and finds him. And that's when Shere Khan's like, you like, they're not scared of me anymore. They're scared of you. Look what you've done. Oh, excuse me. Mowgli turns around, sees that he has caught the jungle on fire. And he and, you know, he puts the fire out and he's like, I'm just going to take you on, you know, as who I am. And that's when all of the animals in the jungle decide that they're tired of Shere Khan too. And they stand up for Mowgli. Mowgli takes off and fights him like a man and comes up with this plan and winds up, you know, into the fire in the jungle, winds up, you know, getting the best of Shere Khan. Shere Khan falls to his death. Mowgli is alive and safe. Everybody's happy. And the elephants, in return for his, you know, good deeds, they divert the river into the jungle, put out the fire, and everything is have everything is safe. Everybody's happy. Mowgli gets to stay in the jungle because he has they everybody decides that that's where he belongs. And the end. Bravo, bravo. I do. I, do. I feel like I, I did I, that's a solid A for sure. Thanks, man. I did I feel like I did I feel like I crushed that one actually. So yeah. Yeah. That was very Thanks, solid. Man. Thanks. I found it interesting that early in the movie, um, you know, when Bagheera is with Mowgli, he kind of gets on him for not being enough wolf-like. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in the little training and games they do that he, he kind of goes off and does things differently instead of doing exactly what, you know, the wolves are doing. But then there towards the end, it's Bagheera that says you know, don't fight him like a wolf, fight him like a man. Yeah. So even Bagheera learned a lot, you know, throughout yeah. the course of the movie that it's not about Mowgli being a full wolf. It's it's about learning everything you learn from the spirit of the wolves, mm-hmm. but combining that with the abilities you have as a man yeah. and, and bringing that all together to see what you can accomplish. So yeah, he had a Danny, Danny LaRusso moment over there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly what i thought about i was like man i was like cobra kai is just integrated into my brain because i was like he's having a danny larusso moment right now where he's like you know sometimes things it's good to learn things the other way sometimes that's right yeah. um, some yeah. eagle fang and some miyagi-do <laughs> <laughs> all right so jeff out of pawpaws how many pawpaws do you give this movie and what did you think about it out of what is it out of how many what pawpaws pawpaws yeah that was what the fruit was that king louis made to me remember the pawpaws because that's the sound that they make when they hit the jungle floor for some reason i I must have missed that or something but it was a papaya right i think so okay that's what it was but when you said pawpaw i'm like that's that's what they call granddads here in my hick area of the world. <laughs> I know what a pawpaw is. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. I really did. Um, you know, it's one of those, I wasn't sure what to think going in. Cause like, it's been so long. I, I do remember liking the original so much as a kid, but I, I mean, I haven't watched the original in numerous years. And of course you just never know with remakes, 
if it's going to kind of recapture the magic or if it just is awesome in its own way or does it just kind of like ruin the original for you a little bit but um overall i will say it didn't do any any of the negative stuff um i i think it's a very solid three and a half um okay good movie i i would I, you know i would recommend it like i said just visually it's just it's stunning it's just a beautiful movie to watch and you see a lot of very strong like lion king themes mm-hmm. which you know we, we both mentioned huge fans of that movie so i mean I, I i really was able to appreciate that uh there's so many little things even with um share khan you know kind of being like scar uh even mowgli has a lot of simba um I guess similarities and then like even the scene where he's trying to uh, to escape from Shere Khan and he kind of falls down and you got all the I don't know what animal it was but all the animals in a stampede uh which I immediately thought of you know the scene from the Lion King with with Simba and Mufasa yeah um so but yeah it just the movie was very well done um what did you think of uh, Neil Sethi's performance, who, who played Mowgli? So I was actually going to talk about that. So you've already rated it. You've rated it, so you gave it three and a half, and you talked about it. So I'll go into what I thought about it, sure. because actually that's going to be a part of what I'm I'm going to talk about whenever. Because this movie, in my opinion, like no matter who's voice acting in this movie, if you don't have a solid kid actor you're not going to this movie's going to fall apart you know what i'm saying and in my opinion like th- th- he held it you know what i'm saying like he was the thing that made this film do so well you know the kid was not only not only did i buy even just like his movements you know like i know some of it's probably not real but you know like he was well acted for for his age, like, man, just the level of, like, acting that these kids are doing these days, like, I really hope that, like, Hollywood's treating them a lot better than the kids that they they did during our era yeah. because these kids are, like, so great at their, you know, for the most part, like, they're doing well, you know? And whether or not he decides to do anything else, like, I don't know, but for this like he did great man like i thought he was a great mowgli like he for what he was acting against especially like it's to know that he was just looking at like puppets or you know even john favreau you know what i mean and so like knowing all of that like he it just the kid did great um yeah I, i thought he did great uh and on top of that like i thought the voice actors did well you know um they were all solid performances you know like and it was it's one of those things like this is one of the few disney remakes that they've done that actually was good you know the beauty and the beast like that one it's like eh, that one's what it, it is what it is you know like it's it's pretty much like a shot for shot remake there's really nothing there you know it's it's okay but it's nothing special the Lion King, I I hate it, you know, like, and I don't care for that at all. You know, the, it was like the exact opposite of this, where like the animals are just not expressive. It just doesn't feel like 
it's it there's a reason for it to exist other than hey look what we can do but with this you know like they added so much to it that like there's so much more meat on this bone than there is compared to like the 1960 version so uh, i mean i'm i'm with you dude i'm actually gonna you know give this one three just just because like you know it oh there was there's some things that like like i don't know it, it kind of just didn't move right and but i mean i don't know i did i do enjoy it um there's a reason for it to exist it's definitely actually you know what i'm gonna go up to you you know what because I didn't want to just repeat what you said, but it, it's actually better than a three. So I'm going to go with you. Like it's a three and a half um, for sure. Like it's, it's, it's definitely way better than an average film. And it's more than just a half a point better than an average film. Um, because this isn't, this isn't just a, a remake. You know, like there's more to this remake than just doing it while also paying like homage to like the, the 1960s you know what i mean like there's enough similarities to where you're like okay this is a remake but it's kind of its own thing at the same time um i liked it you know i really liked the way that they do like the the mobster you know like the they do like the mob version of the monkeys instead of it being like a um you know a a scat man type situation. Like I, I, I enjoyed that. I like all of that. So I don't know. Yeah. Three and a half. So I don't know. What did, what did, what did you think about like the kids acting? Cause he, I thought he did great. Yeah. For some reason, I, I thought he was solid, but I, I won't say I was wild by him. Um, and that probably has more to do with the fact that we just got done watching Matilda and we've seen tons of great performances by, by kid actors. Uh, so maybe, maybe it was just the timing of when we watched this one. Um, yeah. But like you said, his situation was a little bit different and, and, and maybe I, you know, I just wasn't giving him enough credit, you know, since, you know, he is acting pretty much with puppets and, you know, he's not feeding off of, you know, human actors and, and actors. But for some reason, to me, it just came across as okay. And I actually wondered if, how did the industry feel about his performance? Because I, I did find it odd that I haven't really seen anything from him since right. then. Because, you know, it's, it's been six years ago. Um and again, maybe it's personal choice. I couldn't really find, but you know, I, I didn't spend several hours looking, but I don't know if there's any interviews or, you know, if you dig in the web deep enough, maybe you find some comments from them that, you know, hey, I just want to focus on school and stuff before I return, you know, back to, you know, acting and whatnot. But, and I didn't really read a lot of reviews about what people thought about his performance, but I'd wondered if maybe others kind of thought like I did, they just thought it was okay. And maybe if that had anything to do with it, not catapulting his career, because, you know, usually a role like that, especially as well as the movie did, that's generally going to bring a lot of business, you know, a kid actor's way. Right. But again, I don't know. like, I mean, 
Well, the thing is, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, he's not doing, you know, the same levels as, what was her name? What's her name? I, is, I forgot Ali- what her name was. Alicia, Alicia? Weir. Alicia? Weir? Yeah. yeah. Alicia Weir. Like, I, I mean, yeah, she's not doing Alicia Weir level acting, but Alicia Weir was also acting with other people. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, you know, this kid was acting against, you know, he was supposed to be pretending that he's acting with a, you know, Black Panther, with a bear. You know, like, he's got to pretend that he's running from a tiger, you know? Um, so, I mean, like, with that in consideration, it's like, yeah, he did a great job. So, I'm not going to complain about him too much. So, yeah. Uh, so, that gives us a three and a half. That's still not bad. Um, nope. Definitely a... Great start to the year. Yeah, I mean, we have two two solid remakes, so maybe that's a good sign for our year ahead of us. Um, who is your dude or dud of the week this week? Man, that's a good one. Um, I've kind of wrestled with this one. Um, about the way. Um... Wow, I'm going to go with Raksha. Okay. His his wolf mom. Yeah. I just really, you know, you mentioned the the quote that was from her mm-hmm. that, that was very touching, but just the the emotion, the the energy, the you know, she kind of even takes charge there towards the end uh because was Akila considered her husband? I think that was like her, yeah, like her mate or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, she just, you know, major girl power, just kind of because I would imagine in wolf culture, that's not the norm. Um, normally another male would stop in there, you know, step into that role. So I, I thought it was really cool um that she kind of stepped up and and kind of became the leader. Um, so major props to her, the performance, um, just, I, I love everything about the character. So I'm going to make Raksha my dude of the week. That's a solid choice. That is a I appreciate solid that. choice. Um, I am going to go with probably a pretty obvious one. Um, I'm going to go with another dude. It's been a while. I need to, I need to come up with a dude. I need to start hating on some more people so i was I'm actually go... thinking i was actually just thinking it's like man we hadn't had very many duds here like we've been on a dude streak we have been <laughs> um i mean you know we, we, it's it's good to have more dudes you know like we're gonna keep the year positive so far so i'm gonna stay with you dude right now um but i'm gonna go with baloo um he's i don't know he's bill murray did a great job you know it's it's with the original Baloo, you know, you kind of have that that voice in your head. And so you're just, you know, it's it's one of the that's one of the the roles that would be hard to beat when you're thinking of the jungle book. You know what I'm saying? Like Baloo is like the jungle book when you're thinking of the 1960s version. So Bill Murray did a great job, and the his character in this one was just a lot deeper, you know, and more meaningful. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it to Baloo. 
So right. I'm about to say something very nasty. Okay. If I were to have picked a dud, it would have been Baloo for me. Really? As as beloved as the character is, and a lot of good things about his character in this movie, but to me there was a huge part where Baloo is just lazy. He's just looking for ways to make his life easier. <laughs> and he was all about Mowgli helping him, you know, make his life better and easier. And yeah, kind of. Uh, so that part of me is kind of like, dude, come on, Baloo. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I feel like he re- he redeemed himself. Yeah. But... I feel like he's this has that's how he started out, but he actually got feelings for him. You know what I mean? Like that was, and I can see that. Like if, if I thought he was more selfish. Um, but when when he has that turnaround, like that was, he has definitely like a redemption, and he has, you know, he had a full he had a full arc, you know, as a character. So um, it's always nice when they when they do that with with side characters when they get to have their own little arcs and and as well as the main character. So and and he did scale that entire mountain, so that was pretty impressive. Yeah, he overcame his fear to to go save his to go save his homeboy. So yeah, solid dude, solid dude in my book. Um, so, uh, you know, next week we, we tried, we honestly tried to find something that wasn't a family movie because that's what our two previous picks had been, but we really honestly could not find for the streaming original, um, we couldn't come up with one that wasn't. So for, I think we agreed on rescue Rangers. Is that, is that cool with you? Or is that, is that what we're going to do with this next week? We can go with that. All right. So so for next week, we will be watching Disney Plus's original. Um, the It's more of a reboot than a remake um, of the um, 1990s animated show Rescue Rangers. Um, so, yeah. If you haven't watched that, watch that and check us out next week with that. Jeff, what you got? What you got? What kind of crazy weird slash controversial question you got for me so i'm I'm kind of going in a different direction this week okay um just because matilda has consumed my thoughts over the last <laughs> week okay but give me your top three songs from the movie slash soundtrack and you, you can pull up the list on your phone um, so you can kind of get a good feel for for how to rank them, but I, I want to hear your top three. I mean, obviously, my first song is going to be "Quiet." That one's my favorite. Um, then I think my second favorite might have to be "School Song." Okay. Um, because that one is just really fun. I really enjoy listening to that one and it's also my favorite one to watch um when it comes to like the movie because i always enjoy watching the letters pop up when they're singing it like that just triggers something in my brain that just makes all the little happy parts of my brain go off um and the third one uh, that's honestly like it's a close tie between like revolting children and naughty because i like both of those songs um about the same so i'm gonna have to but i think naughty's gonna have to squeeze it out just a little bit because that one's just 
I don't know. I'll, I'll, that one's more in the spirit of the movie, and like I don't know, Revolting Children's fun, and the, the but but it's a lot more fun to watch. So if we're going like to the songs, I would probably like the, the song Naughty is more fun to listen to, but Revolting Children like. The choreography in that one is just like, oh yeah, oh, that one's that one would probably be like my second favorite. Um, if we're talking about like just pure, yeah, choreography. that that was definitely heavy on the performance side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that uh, one. Yeah, what about you? What would be your top three? So actually, our our lists are pretty different. Um, good. Obviously, we have similar feelings on the movie and soundtrack in general, but actually, my number one is Naughty. Okay. I just, I mean, I just, I listen to that song all the time now since we've watched the movie. Just the message behind it. Um, Alicia Weir's accent is so perfectly portrayed on on a lot of the lines um, in, in that song. And, and, and it's used a few more times throughout the movie, um, kind of in conjunction with another song. And my favorite part that that it's used is when um, Miss Honey is 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 leaving the school grounds, and mm-hmm. she actually hold on, that's wrong. That that's that's that goes to my number two song, <laughs> which is when I grow up. Um, is is my second favorite, and that's the part where Miss Honey sings a line as she's leaving the school grounds. And talks yeah. about when I grow up, and, and that's when you start to see that correlation with, you know, Matilda is living out the courage and the bravery that she has wanted for all these years. Yeah, actually, dude, actually, I completely forgot about when I grow up because I was looking <laughs> at the list. When I grow up is absolutely my number three. Then uh, it's got to squeeze out the other, like naughty. Then because when I grow up, yeah, it, for sure. For sure. It's definitely my number three. Sorry, go on. Oh, you're good. So my number three is going to be tough, too, because um, I, I feel like I'm pretty solid on Naughty and When I Grow Up. But then after that, I'm kind of like you as far as Revolting Children. Uh, just by itself as a song, it probably wouldn't crack my top three. But like you said, it is one of the the most fun to watch just because of everything going on and, and the dancing and that kind of stuff. But as far as just pure song, he, I, I mean, I really like school song. Um, to me, it's between school song and I really love Bruce. Bruce is a fun one. I like it's, it's, it's definitely one that I don't skip, but but then, actually, you know, actually, I, I catch myself like humming that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but also, I mean, also, I mean, I, I did like "Quiet" and still holding my hand. Uh, but I, I, I will say Bruce edges out on on the third spot for me. Uh, but it's also one of those deals where you know next week I might my my top three might change. But uh, but yeah, it's a great soundtrack. I, it's definitely five or six songs on there I could listen to over and over and over. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a good soundtrack. And yeah, there's definitely like, like it's not, they're not bad songs, but as far as like, 
just songs that I like I want to listen to regularly. There's yeah, there's probably about five or six good songs on there that I do enjoy. Like I'm like, okay, this is just a fun song to actually listen to. So and um, and that could totally do a sequel. It, there's room for it. I mean, I don't know if I would support it. Um yeah, I mean, but, it would be tough. I mean, I, of course I would get over the moon excited for it, but like there's definitely like did Miss Honey like legally get guardianship over Matilda, does her parents come back and start creating <laughs> conflict there because technically they're still the legal guardians? And um, I think they can. I think I think you can get some abandonment. I think you can claim abandonment there. Um, you probably get legal guardianship over her for sure. I don't think you'd be very hard hard pressed, especially. Yeah, I don't think it'd be too much. But. So, do you have any? Uh, what is your, what is your history, your connection with Rescue Rangers? I mean, I was I was born in eighty seven, and so I don't I don't know I can't remember exactly what year they started, but I definitely grew up watching Rescue Rangers, like Ch 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 Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. So, I mean, I was totally into that show growing up. It's not really something that I've revisited, you know, as an adult. I, I've learned that some like, you know, like fond childhood cartoons, especially like during like around that era, um, some of those just didn't really hold up for me. So I try not to really revisit those too much um, just because I don't want them ruined for me. But so I can't really, you know, I don't really remember too many of the episodes, but I remember fondly as a kid, you know, enjoying them. I was a big fan. And then you know, finding out like what this reboot or was about, you know, uh, I was excited to watch it and knowing, you know, who was involved, um, as John Mulaney and oh, who was the other person besides John Mulaney that does, that, that does the acting for Chippendale. Um, oh, uh, Andy Samberg. Like when I found out that they're doing the voices for Chippendale, you know, I'm like all in because, I'm a big fan for both of those. And I knew that this was not going to be like, you know, a corny reboot. So I was excited for it. And um, we'll get into like how I felt about it, you know, um, next week. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the Rescue Rangers. What about you? Do you have any that might have been a little bit past your date, but I don't know. Sometimes you like those, you like watching kids shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little older. So I'm, this might be like in your, in your frame. I, I, I'm curious how I'll like this one. Cause yeah, I, I don't have any like nostalgia or connection to it whatsoever. I guess I'm a little bit older than you. So by the time this came out, I was already of the age where, I wasn't really watching those kind of shows. I mean, of course, I was familiar with it, um, but I, I was never, I, you know, I wouldn't consider myself that I was ever a fan of it. Um, interesting, though, I'm, I'm looking at information from the original show, and season one was 13 episodes, and then season two was 47 episodes. <laughs> And then season three was five episodes. <laughs> Sounds about right. 
I don't think I've ever seen a show that's bounced around as much like that. <laughs> so uh, that that is very odd. But uh, but yeah, maybe you know, hey, sometimes this is my best movie experiences is when I kind of go in with very low expectations, and uh, so that maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, but yeah, now, now that, now that you mentioned possible. who who's voicing, I, I am more intrigued. I, I did not realize they were the ones uh, voicing the the reboot or remake. Yeah, we'll we'll consider this one's a, a reboot um, because it's definitely not a remake. Um, well, I'm not, gonna, so, I'm not gonna spoil so. it too much, but I mean, like it, it's definitely a more of like. Yeah, definitely more in the reboot area than a remake area. So, so it's got Will Arnett, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I think you'll at least it might not be your favorite of the month, but I think you'll at least enjoy this. Uh, I don't think you'll be too displeased. But surely I'll like no. it more than Ernest. So oh, I'm sure. Like I mean, Ernest is pretty much bottom of the barrel, sadly. <laughs> but I I I I. I I'm gonna wind up making. I gotta find an earnest movie to make you like it. Like I'm gonna find an earnest movie to make you like. It's gonna be. That's gonna be my goal. Um, <laughs> after now that we've gotten you to like horror films again, I'm gonna get you into finding a horror, finding an earnest movie that you like. Um, Jeff, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? I no. It's been a great start to the month. So uh, yeah. anxious. Great to start see to the where, year. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean both. Either ways, right? <laughs> all months and years, but then all years are months. Wait, that, that doesn't work either. <laughs> no, I'm anxious to see where the rest of the month takes us, and uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see how the Rescue Rangers go. How about you? Yeah, man. Um, just thank you, and thanks to all of our listeners for uh, sticking with us. Thank uh, if you are curious about our socials they are down in the show notes uh if you want to support us um you can always recommend us to a friend uh family share us uh you know you can always like us support us um by uh you know giving five stars and leaving a review it can be pretty much anything you can just talk about you know whatever you want you know just uh give us five stars and leave something because that really does help us out and moves us up the chart so the dudes will appreciate that um and our patreon is also in the show notes so if you feel like you know donating to us there's that um we're actually gonna start putting more in there i know i keep saying that but that is one of my new year's resolutions is getting the patreon going so that we can actually have more uh, stuff for you guys out there um other than that uh thanks again and remember sometimes all you need is the bare necessities <laughs> <laughs>